Welcome to the Seacoast Vineyard Church podcast. We are a vineyard church located in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, and we invite you to enjoy this message from God's Word. Well, good morning, Seacoast Vineyard Church. My name is Lauren, and I am one of the preachers here at the church, and I'm really excited to be with you this morning. Some of you are probably thinking, this girl is always excited. When is she not? But I am really excited to be with you this morning uh, because I haven't preached a message in a few months. I got married back in April. We flew out of the country to Costa Rica, and then I started my mini sabbatical. So life has been full of transition, yes. But I thought that I would share with you uh, my cross-cultural experience from our Costa Rican vacation. All right, so what you need to know about me is that I have never been out of the country before, besides a cruise to Mexico, and I didn't really feel like that was much of a cross-cultural experience because the only thing that I crossed was really the buffet line. <laughs> and so I was so focused on the wedding. I was so focused on the wedding, getting, getting through that, and I didn't think about going to another country that spoke another language, uh, that used a different currency. And so I know minimal Spanish. In fact, none at all. Ryan started to notice that every time we would talk to the locals uh, or go to a surf shop or uh, order something at a restaurant, I would start whispering my Spanish. And Ryan's like, Lauren, girl, why are you whispering your Spanish? And in my head, I'm thinking, maybe if I whisper it quietly enough, they'll think that it's Spanish. And the only person I was fooling was myself. Um, But it really hit me that we are in a different country when we are at the local grocery store. And I was cruising around the toilet paper section. Every good vacation, yeah, starts with a roll of toilet paper. I'm seeing some nods. And I'm looking at the various Spanish versions of Charmin. And I grab a six-pack off of the shelf. And I'm looking at the price tag. And all of a sudden, I'm like, whoa, I don't think we can afford toilet paper here in Costa Rica. So I'm rushing around the store trying to find Ryan, and I find Ryan knee-deep in the candy aisle. And if you know Ryan, that is only appropriate. And I said, Ryan, listen, we did not budget enough money to get toilet paper for a week in Costa Rica. And he's like laughing at me, and he's like, Lauren, you do know we're in another country, right? And they use a different currency. That $35 that you think that six-pack of toilet paper is is actually 3,500 colones. I just kind of zoned out on the zeros at the end. So Costa Rica was awesome. We surfed every day. We ate great food. It was quite a magical experience. But you know what? Post-wedding and post-honeymoon vacation, Ryan and I, we got back to the States, and we were exhausted. We were just spent. You know that emotional, mental drought that happens when you return from a vacation? Yeah, that's, that's sort of called a vacation hangover. Ryan and I experienced a vacation hangover because we really just wanted another vacation from our vacation. But looking back, we realized what we didn't necessarily need was just another vacation. What Ryan and I needed was real soul and spiritual rest. Have you guys ever heard of the 21 grams theory? All right. Well, in 1901, a scientist named Duncan McDougall believed he could determine the weight of the human soul. So he conducted this unusual experiment by trying to measure the weight of six human patients before their death and after their death. 
And he concluded, based on his experiments, that the human soul weighed 21 grams. Well, unfortunately, following attempts to reproduce McDougall's experiments were unsuccessful, leading scientists to believe that his methods were flawed and his results were invalid. Well, my friends, even if our soul is weightless or actually weighs 21 grams, it is evident that our soul can be weighed down. Burdens exist. Weariness exists. Our personal experience is proof enough that burdens are there, even if it cannot be calculated in pounds or grams or ounces. Maybe you've arrived to church this morning and you're feeling weary. You're feeling burdened. You're feeling exhausted. You're feeling tired, tired from business, tired from family life. Well, you've landed at the right place this morning because our church is in a series titled A Vacation Invitation from Jesus. And so our hope today is that we would go beyond just a literal day of rest and learn together in community how we can live a restful life. Would you pray with me and we'll dive into this. So Jesus, we invite your presence here. Holy Spirit, would you come? Holy Spirit, would you begin to fill us? Would you energize us today? God, I ask that you would give me the gift of teaching today. Lord, would we leave Seacoast Vineyard Church changed and transformed people, not because we change and transform ourselves, but because of you, God. Father God, your hand on us, transforming us and changing us. So Jesus, we love you and we worship you and we give you this morning. In your strong and mighty name, the people of God said, Amen. Amen. So I feel like every good sermon should start off with a confession, Am I right? (laughs) So I have a confession to make. I am a woman that is addicted to hurrying, busyness, rushing, and productivity. Okay, so today I preach a message as someone who gets it, as someone who gets the addiction of productivity and the adrenaline and the anxiety that comes with it. So when it comes to the topic of rest, my life can be inconsistent and pretty messy. I can tell you story after story about my history of a completely restless lifestyle. Anyone feel me on that? Okay, I see some hands. I heard Skip say preach it. Yes. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you guys a few questions, and you're going to do a personal inventory to see how you respond to these questions. How do you feel about being stuck behind cars that go slowly? Okay, how do you feel? How do you react to a slow store employee behind the cash register? You got places to be, you're glancing at your watch, you don't have time for them to bag your groceries. Hurry, hurry, hurry. And if you are a parent in the room this morning, what is your response to children who dawdle? Oh, even that word, dawdle, right? It just sounds frustrating. What about this? How have deadlines, timelines, end or bottom lines affected the pace of your life? And what sort of power have you given to those imaginary lines? And maybe, just maybe, even in this moment, your attention is divided. You're glancing at your cell phone. You're hoping for an email. Your attention right now is divided. Trust me, that's often me. So I invite you into this place with full awareness, with full attention. So maybe you need to put your phone out of place. Maybe you need to pick up a pen and take notes this morning. 
Whatever you need to do. Maybe you need to respond verbally with an amen, hallelujah, or can I get a witness? Amen. Whatever you need to do, I invite you, enter into this space with full awareness, with full attention, and engage with us this morning. And so Doug Crew launched us with our foundation passage a few weeks ago, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30. I'm going to read it for us this morning, and I ask that you just let this soak into your soul this morning. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Remember, this is Jesus speaking. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so Jesus here in scripture is saying, hey, if you're spent, if you're exhausted, if you're burned out on religion, because remember, that's the audience that he's speaking to, those that are burned out on religion. If you are weary, I want you to come here. I want you to discover real life. What an invitation, amen? What an invitation. But you know what? The the weariness that Jesus speaks of here in Matthew chapter 11 is not just ordinary exertion, okay? So for example, I could lead us in a group run to the local YMCA. We could do a a church-wide Zumba class. That would be awesome. I would love that. Some of you would hate me. That's okay, But the common labor that Jesus speaks of here does tire our bodies. But what he's really getting at is weariness that afflicts the soul. So Matthew 11, Jesus is speaking of rest as if it's something that we discover, as if it's something that we find and unearth. He's speaking as if it's a gift, a gift of freedom. But don't we live in a YOLO-saturated world where we believe that it's better to burn out than rust out. And so it's super strange to consider that God was the very first to rest. God was the very first to rest. And that's our first feeling is that the creator of the universe rested. Well, according to Genesis chapter 2, we get the first glimpse of a God who rests. Let me read it for you. By the seventh day, God had finished the work that he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. And so we see God here laboring for six days, and then God, he rests on the seventh day. And here in scripture, we get the first illustration of the creator different from his creation. Well, creation depends on God for its origin. And God, he depends on absolutely no one. But don't you think God is doing something a little bit more here than just giving us an example of rest? You see, God's rest was rest of completion. Completion rather than just restoration. Because God's work was finished totally finished on the seventh day. I think this is hard for us to to grasp because we as people are time-bound and we are tempted to think that, that God works in a sequence of linear events. But you know what? God is always at work in creation and yet he is always at rest. That's hard for us to consider. But 2 Peter 3.8 says, For God, a day is like a thousand years. And a thousand years is like a day. 
We are time-bound creatures. Well, that's a good starting point for us because if you've been around the church scene, and even if you haven't, you may have heard the word Sabbath. Well, what is, what is the Sabbath? You may be actively practicing or keeping one, but Sabbath is a day set apart from the other days. So for six days a week, you work with gusto. You work with all your might. And then you rest on the seventh day. So when God's people observed the Sabbath in the wilderness in Exodus, they could not gather manna on that day. Instead, the Lord preserved the manna the day before. They gathered extra manna the day before and preserved it on the Sabbath day. So the intention of the Sabbath was not deprivation. The intention of the Sabbath was an invitation. It was an invitation for God's people to know that God was taking care of them. It was an invitation for God's people to know that he had their back, that he loved them and delighted in them. God basically said, stop your toil. Stop your rushing around. Stop your addiction to productivity. And hey, by the way, would you just take a day off? And later in the New Testament, we see the full redemption of the Sabbath take place because we see Jesus called Lord of the Sabbath in Mark chapter 2, Luke 6, and Matthew 12. So Sabbath is scattered from the Old Testament to the New Testament. But what does it mean for us today? What does it mean for us in our culture today? Sabbath rest. How do we do that? Well, when you and I Sabbath rest, we don't have to cease all activity. Okay, we don't cease everything. We disengage from one kind of activity in order to engage in another with a higher calling, with a better reward. I once heard from a pastor who heard from a rabbi, who probably heard from someone else, this quote. It's profound. Listen to this, and it's on the screens. Those that work with their minds should Sabbath with their hands. And those that work with their hands should Sabbath with their minds. That's good, right? So for me in ministry, vocational ministry, I work often with my mind. So for me to Sabbath rest or to enter into restful rhythms in my life, I need to work with my hands. I need to get outside and sweat a little bit. That's why I love to surf and ride my beach cruiser. I need to get outside, paint, or work with my hands. Whereas Ryan, my husband, he does manual labor for a living. And so you know what? He needs to Sabbath rest or to enter into restful rhythms. He needs to work with his mind. He needs to read a good book or journal. And sometimes he just really needs a good nap in the AC. So Sabbath is a day, much more than just a day of nothing or binge watching How I Met Your Mother. Those things are fine and those things are good. But Sabbath is much more than than that. In fact, most of us here in this room feel the most rested when we do things, when we engage in another type of activity. So that, that means we can be refreshed by going for a run or having a meal in community, making art, attending a great concert, all while keeping company with Jesus. However, sometimes we take what's good and we take what's right and we take what's beautiful and we use the Sabbath to exalt ourselves or to judge other people. And Jesus addressed this in Mark chapter 2. He said to the Pharisees in a confrontation, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So simply put, the Sabbath is a day that 
is, a, is not a day that we serve. We don't serve the Sabbath. The Sabbath is meant to serve us, to serve us. So Jesus, he didn't come to eliminate the Sabbath. He didn't come to abolish the Sabbath, but he came to dig it out from the mountain of legalistic sediment that we put it under and to give it to us again as a blessing rather than a burden. And Jesus came to show us his grace and his real soul rest from 2,000 years ago in his mercy on the cross. So friends, thankfully, we all don't need a 10-week sabbatical to feel rested. No matter how full your summer schedule is, you can focus your your, your free time on those life-giving activities and experience real soul rest, all while keeping company with Jesus. Well, how do we keep company with Jesus, Lauren? What does that mean? How do we do that? We reorient our heart. And that's our second fill-in is restful rhythms reorient the heart. In my sophomore year of college, I got a part-time job working for the energy drink Red Bull. Some of you are familiar with that. Okay, I spent my hours at work driving a Mini Cooper with a giant Red Bull can on top, passing out free energy drinks. Dream job as a college student, am I right? So basically, um, in college, I was working for Red Bull that I literally uh, got my first taste of how productive I could be in college while drinking Red Bull. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I knocked out midterms with ease, slayed projects like a boss, wrote papers like they were going out of style, all while drinking multiple eight-ounce energy drinks. You guys remember that I said that I was addicted to productivity. I wonder where that came from. All right, so I want to sh- show you a Sprint commercial that came out in 2013 uh, about an iPhone that really gets at this idea of productivity um, and our addiction to it. So let's watch this. The miraculous is everywhere, in our homes, our minds. We can share every second in data just as pixels. A billion Roman photojournalists uploading the human experience, and it is spectacular. So why would you count that? My iPhone 5 can see every moment, every panorama, the entire gallery of humanity. I need to upload all of them. I need, no, I have the right to be unlimited. Only Sprint offers truly unlimited data for iPhone 5. So that's terrifying. I have the right to be unlimited. Wait a second. That means you have the right to be unlimited as well. Do you hear that? That's what our culture is saying, is that we should have zero limits. That We should exist as people with unlimited ability, unlimited time, and exist as unlimited people. So the idea of rest terrifies some of us. And I get it. I get it why it terrifies us. Because rest exposes reality. Rest exposes reality. We as humans are very human. We are vulnerable. We are weak. We have limitations. We are very human. Professor and author Peter Kraft says this beautifully. If you can't take time to do nothing, you're a slave to doing Doing nothing is a radical, revolutionary act. It frees you from the universal universal slavery of our age, slavery to the clock. The clock measures doing, but not being. So why don't we see rhythms of rest practiced today? Perhaps it's because we are so addicted 
to productivity. And the age-old question is, how will the work get done if I take time to pursue rest? How will the work get done if I take time to pursue a Sabbath? Well, just last week, I had some terrible nights of sleep. I was up. I was awake. But you know what? Apparently, I'm not the only one who was awake. In 2013, the Centers for Disease uh, Control and Prevention declared insufficient sleep is a public health problem. And in one national study, over 7% of people between my age at 26 to 35 fell asleep at the wheel. We are a sleep-deprived culture. I don't think I need to convince you guys of that. And yet we've all heard stats like that before. We see them on our Facebook news feed. We've all heard and seen those stats. But you catch us driving through Starbucks asking for a venti in mid-yawn. So how do we practically talk about restful rhythms? How can we actually rest and reorient our heart? Well, your restful rhythms will be very different from my restful rhythms, okay? But what I want you to do, I want you to begin at least establishing some sort of restful rhythm in your life. So I want you to think about your weekly rhythms, your monthly rhythms, and your yearly rhythms. So where in your week are you intentionally planning rest? Where in your week? Where in your week are you keeping a Sabbath? or you're entering some sort of rhythm of rest. What about your month? Could you take one day off once a month? Or could you carve out a Saturday morning? Could you take a road trip, go spend time with the Lord? And what about your yearly rhythms? Could you take your small group here at the church and go to the mountains for the weekend, a yearly annual retreat where you can enter into rest and restoration? So you may be thinking about your iCal, and you have some mistrust with me already because you're like, I'm thinking about my kids' schedules. I'm thinking about my business. I don't even have time to find an entire day to rest. I hear you. So what I want you to do, I want you to start small. Start really small. Start, set aside one evening a week to enter into intentional rest and Sabbath. And so get into the rhythm. You can grow from there. But what you need to do is probably turn off your cell phone, put your computer away, engage with the activity, and disengage from your normal activity. So spend spend moments praying, engaging without fubbing your friends and family. You know what fubbing is? Any any anyone? Phone snubbing. It's a new word. I want to teach you guys a new word. Phone snubbing, fubbing. And maybe you don't even have an evening to rest. That's okay. Maybe you need a little bit more margin in your life. So when I was meeting with coastal students out on campus, I would meet with students from 1 to 2, 2 to 3, 3 to 4, and I would have zero margin of time to reorient my heart around God's rest for me. That was set up for burnout. Do you see that? And so maybe you, you can create more margin in your life. You drive to work. You eat lunch. Create space and margin to keep company with Jesus throughout your day. And so when you lay your head on your pillow at the end of the day, I want you to think about the Jewish calendar. The Jewish calendar. 
begins in the evening with the setting of the sun. That's referenced um, and repeated back in Genesis 1 where it says, and there was evening and there was morning, and there was evening and there was morning. So the day begins with rest. The day begins with going to sleep first. At first glance, the Jewish calendar looks like it's accomplishing nothing at all. Because if you're anything like me, you are tempted to measure your day by how much you produce, by how much productivity you have in your day. Well, God begins his work. When you rest your head on your pillow at night, that's when God grows the crepe myrtles that we see here in Myrtle Beach. That's when God begins his work healing our scars, protecting our children, redeeming injustices that we have zero power to redeem. That's when God begins to work. The psalmist declares in Psalms 127 this, Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. Can we trust God enough to rest? Can we trust him enough to take care of our world? Can we trust him enough? Because what we really need when we want rest is God himself. And that's our last fill-in, is the pursuit of rest is really the pursuit of God. A good model for us is Jesus. He often went away to be with Father God in quiet spots and safe places. And so life won't slow down for you. Life is chaotic. It's wave after wave of hurry and rushing and busy and productivity. And my friends, it starts all over again on Monday. So what would it look like for us as a community to go beyond just a literal day of rest and to live and enter a restful life? The good news is that Jesus, he is our complete rest. And Jesus wants to free us from our weariness. Because rest begins with God. It begins with God and it comes as a gift of grace through Jesus. And we will always be restless until we can truly rest in him. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we welcome you here in this place. Jesus, would you begin to move our hearts towards a restful lifestyle? Lord, because we are weary in this, in this room. We are an exhausted people. Our hearts are burdened. Our bodies are tired. Our souls need real spiritual rest. As I was preparing for this message, I felt like the Lord uh, wanted to energize some of you all. And if you're here today and you know that you are tired, you are living in a fog, you are burned out, I believe God wants to energize you today. I believe he wants to speak to you today. 
Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So if your soul, your mind, your body is weary, if that's you, would you please go see a prayer minister in the back room? They would love to pray for you. They would love to pray with you. They would love to pray Jesus' true rest. So I want to make space this morning for the Lord to speak. You've heard me say a few times, keeping company with Jesus. But for some of us, it's hard for us to think about Jesus wanting to keep company with us. Perhaps we have a distorted image of Jesus. For some of us, it's hard for us to really believe that God wants to be with us. And he wants to keep company with us. And so right now, where you are, with your eyes closed, I want you to ask Jesus for a new picture. Ask Jesus for a new picture of how he sees you. We're just going to leave some space here for the Lord to speak. Thanks for listening to the Seacoast Vineyard Podcast. You can learn more about us and access a video archive of our messages by visiting seacoastvineyard.com. If you feel led to support us financially through a one-time or recurring gift, please click on the Give tab at our website or download the PushPay app on your smartphone and search for Seacoast Vineyard Church. Thank you.